Namaste viewers. I'm delighted that a very special person, a great scientist, a great Bharatiya and a dear friend, Dr. Vijay Bhatkar is here to talk about my new book on artificial intelligence. He's no stranger to my show. Uh, just to let you know, he's a Padma Vibhushan, uh, the father of the Indian supercomputer. And presently he is uh, the chancellor of uh, Nalanda University. Uh, namaste, Dr. Bhatkarji, and welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you indeed for calling me for a subject of my deep interest, deep research interest, um, and of on which you have written a book. My book is, as uh, people by now know, uh, it's called Artificial Intelligence and the Future of Power. And the byline is Five Battlegrounds. And I talk about five battlegrounds. Uh, so uh, I will uh, I will uh, start uh, a few uh, statements and I would like to have uh, uh, Dr. Bhatkar's comments and views on these. Uh, so Dr. Bhatkar, uh, while technology is inevitable and it's not a question of, uh, 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 you know, whether you like it or not, because uh, it's going to happen and we might as well join, we might as well join the revolution. Uh, but the, the in the case of AI, the disruptions will be unequal. Some social demographics will benefit because they're highly educated. Some will not benefit, they'll lose jobs. Uh, some, it uh, depends on education standard also, I guess. Some industries will get a boost and some industries may not. So for instance, the uh, in, in the case of driverless cars, uh, you know, and electric cars, uh, there may be new industries born but the millions of people who work in the old internal combustion engine technology, uh, those small industries will be gone because those industries won't be there. So uh, also some regions will benefit. Maybe, maybe Bangalore will get new jobs, but maybe Bihar will lose old jobs. Uh, also across countries, uh, China and USA might become colonizers. They might, uh, they might start taking over Africa. China is taking over Africa. USA is taking over certain countries. So the new technology also empowers a few countries and a few people and a few industries to get advantage over others. So this is going to create social disruption and geopolitical disruption. So, so uh, Dr. Bhatka, what do you think of the, this kind of impact on the world? First thing I would like to comment is that as you made a profound statement or very inevitable statement, which must be made that those who are, I think, uh, afraid of technologies or uh, what we talk about, uh, the impact of technologies on the humanities, uh, I think we must say technology is inevitable. Science and technology is development and, and their consequent disruptions are inevitable. This process has as far as artificial intelligence is concerned in the 21st century, I think it is not, uh, it is happening in 21st century. The development started way back from the, from Alan Turing himself, who is the inventor of computer. I think development, the thought process that if you are able to model the mind, uh, the computers will be, machines will take over those functions. So now we are seeing those pictures. I remember in the 80s when Japanese decided that they will beat uh, in a way, Americans, I'm raising uh, in the same breath what you're talking, the battleground, they, they decided to create fifth generation computers. I think that FGCS program, which began in the 80s, and they started, and that is really the, the what is the big boost which you received for the FGCS program. They also realized the challenges of uh, you know, creating artificial intelligence systems at that time. But 
as a, as a computer technology grew and we could build more and more full pack more and more uh, power into computers today we are talking about uh, computers uh, today we are in, uh, even in cdac here we are talking about the computers which will create i think uh, can perform exa scale uh, computing operations per second now that is that was not unimaginable computing power has been increasing by factor of 1000 per decade if we really look back and we are now computed 10 to the power 18 mathematical operations per second i think that kind of computing power we are able to pack and uh, have uh, this kind of computing power accessible on the cloud so this is one major development uh, which was limiting the further development of artificial intelligence the second is uh, i think the the new algorithms and the big data that that is being created which we never imagined and and based on the big data new discoveries that, that are occurring so all these powers in me harness now any any power can be harnessed in, in a very beneficial way for the humanity or also in a destructive way we have seen from the origins of computers came from the second world war itself alan during i think uh, we, we and many technologies even artificial intelligence came to darpa and many other things like that so and we are now seeing that these impacts are impacts are what we have never seen before i think most important impact that is coming is the loss of i think employment most of the jobs can be taken over by the machines today we are seeing this more and more and then i'm i'm very happy that i think while we are reading so many advances in artificial intelligence but you are taking the uh, challenge of what would be the battle grounds of the future the, the, the nations how they will perform and how they we are um, as we have seen in the world war i think we have seen that uh, the previous wars it has been always their technologies uh, that that contributed to win or loss in a war so we are seeing that kind of thing happening and you have taken that uh, issue in this book head on as you know as usual very head on on this kind of thing and uh, your uh, race the five battlegrounds which are extremely important to see from many perspectives from technological perspective from geopolitics uh, perspective from the humanity perspectives and uh, what impact it will have from the indian perspective i was one of the first to 30 years back i wrote a book on artificial intelligence uh, methods and tools what 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 are getting available so i have been watching this and, and participating in this development for a long time and we have major project in the center for development of advanced computing in cdac in in india referring to to building the the very large artificial intelligence machine and uh, niti ayog our planning body has created that what impact would be and what are what is the kind of preparation what infrastructures are required what tools are required what techniques are required what education is required for this so i am very happy that i have not seen a book uh, on this uh, on this subject uh, in written in the world context and of course in the context of india china america and other nations on uh, what impact it will have on the society so i think it will be it will be very well read as in other books and uh, and uh, appreciated admired and discussed and also uh, there will be many critics they will argue from both the sides so it's interesting you generate a, a good discussion for the society for many people thank you uh, dr bhatka ji uh, yes for your inspiring words i wrote this book to stimulate thought from both sides like always yes. it should happen and uh, as a bhakt of uh, india as a great uh, you know admirer of india and supporter of india i want to provoke the thought leaders to take up these five battlegrounds so we are we are catching up right now we are catching up because usa china are ahead but india has the brains india has the dna and we can catch up so this is this is the challenge i think like john f kennedy in 1961 when the russians were ahead in the space age 
he said that by the end of this decade, I would like Americans to be on the moon. And sure enough, in 69, in the same decade, eight years later, Neil Armstrong walked on the moon. So, you know, we have a situation like that. We have a situation where uh, our brilliant uh, computer scientists like yourself, you're a pioneer, uh, need to uh, take this China challenge. Now, I want to ask you a question. At one time, India was ahead as the software superpower. But now in the age of AI, we lag behind China. Do you think that uh, we were stuck too much on selling cheap labor uh, programmers to Americans, let them build the intellectual property? We did not build our own intellectual property. We supplied the labor. We did labor arbitrage. So you hire somebody for $10,000, you rent him out at $30,000 to the Americans, and then they use it for making their technology. So, you know, why we're very proud that uh, you know, Microsoft has so many Indians and Google has Indians and IBM has more Indians than, Amer you know, American people. While we are proud of that, but the point is that uh, they are laborers, they are laborers providing uh, technology brains for other people to build uh, intellectual property. So do you feel that uh, there was too much jugaad and short-sightedness on the part of Indian industrialists who became very rich selling the Indian brains, but did not re reinvest in making products did not reinvest in, like Tata's could have made Tata's or uh, Mahindra or, uh, you know, TC, uh, this uh, Infosys, they could have taken a certain part of the profit and invested it in futuristic technologies, but they didn't do that. So we lost the race, that we were ahead in the race, but we kind of now are catching up to China. What do you think of that? Yeah, I think the, this criticism is rightly placed in that sense, this is often argued, but uh, if you see the last decade, of the, the last century and when 91 prime from 91 we took a leap and because the opportunity came that what is called y2k opportunity year 2000 the entire software was rewritten and then we and we began from almost zero in that sense uh, we had made the, some first computers but that yeah, i think and then one thing need to be appreciated that there is something like what you call the goods then there are also like services which is a more larger economy than Canada and we took the Perhaps we have this was an opportunity for India to create the software technology parts, to create the people who write this kind of thing, to rewrite the softwares, to and create the giants like Tata Consultancy Services or Infosys or many other uh, people, and and then that took us. But one question also, when I while doing so, my, I was involved in this process. Uh, come center, why are we not developing now new technologies or why not new products? Yeah, uh, a new thing. Why are you not engaging on this question? I was asking to, uh, this was the time when I proposed the creation of Center for Development Advanced Computing to create a, a national center of excellence uh, in this field and to take it forward in both in terms of uh, supercomputing technology, artificial intelligence, big data analysis, all that thing. But that is too far. But our companies have not invested as much we should have invested on the on actually creation of new ideas, which we Indians were doing in the US. Also, uh, the, uh, the, 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 I think the outfits in, uh, of the international companies like IBM or like many, many people were doing through Indian brains, but we are not owning that intellectual property or we are not taking it forward as seriously as because research has a long term issue. I think the results come out like that. You have to make heavy investments. You have to make good investments. We require uh, to create great manpower. And uh, that we have not done to the extent what, uh, what we could have done. But we need to correct that, yes. So, you know, for instance, IBM's flagship is Watson. Their Watson AI system. Yes, yes. Their marketing. And, yes. and uh, India did not 
develop a Watson, but Indian brains have helped IBM develop Watson. So Ooh. this is very interesting. As you said, the Indians, Indian brains are being are, are in very large scale, large numbers, high quality in AI working in the United States, <laughs> creating made in USA technology rather than make in India technology. And even the make in India artificial intelligence, most of the patents are being held by uh, Microsoft India, Google India. It's the, it's the Americans based in India tapping into the Indian brains uh, and building their own technology. For instance, something like GPT-3, uh, which is you know na using natural language uh, processing, computational linguistics uh, to really understand human speech and uh, the meaning of what people are saying and being able to compose text that looks like a human writer wrote it. This is at the cutting edge in la language translation, in, in, uh, uh, inter in, in, in social media, uh, having all these bots that look like uh, they're real people, but they're actually AI programs. Uh, now, this is this is where the cutting edge is, and a lot of economy is going to be based on GPT-3 type of things. But GPT-3 is based on computational linguistics, and much of computational linguistics is based on Sanskrit, Panini grammar, Ashtadhyayi. So I know people, I know Indian Sanskritists and computational linguistics uh, in JNU and various other places in IITs. For the last 15 years, 20 years, they've been working as consultants for American companies, Chinese companies, Japanese companies, teaching them how Sanskrit grammar in computational linguistics can be used for all of this. And the, and the product of all that is things like Watson, things like GPT-3, but India did not own them. India gave them the knowledge, ancient knowledge, modern knowledge, brains, everything. And we are content just, uh, you know, uh, getting a good wage, good salary. So this is a, this is a, while the workers can't be blamed because the workers have to go wherever they get a job. But I think the Indian industry has a responsibility that uh, they did not, uh, they, they were not as visionary as the Chinese. Chinese were thinking 15, 20 years ahead and Chinese also were doing wage arbitrage, selling cheap labor in factories to get jobs from American manufacturing. But then they took a lot of the profit instead of pocketing it and making a few billionaires who were very rich. They took that profit, reinvested into the futurist technologies. Whereas, you know, in our case, we took the profit and the billionaires living a good life and they, uh, their share price went up and all of that. We're celebrating them. But they did not do nation building. Our, our wealthy industrialists did not do nation building, did not reinvest to make products for the future. And I'm glad you, you are, you are, uh, we are both in agreement on that. Now, recently, recently, India celebrated that Google and Facebook are investing billions of dollars in geo. But I'm, I, my, in my book, I'm taking the opposite view. I'm saying that geo should have invested and created their own social media platform. Like Jack Ma in China, Jack Ma in China, uh, you know, Jack Ma in China built his own Alibaba, Tencent, uh, uh, Tencent, of course, another company, Baidu is another company, Huawei is another company. There are many Jack Ma's in China and they did not say we'll franchise, we'll bring in the American technology and turn over the Chinese market to them. And as a middleman, we'll make billions of dollars. They did not do what uh, Mokesh Amman is doing. They said, we will build our own platform with our own AI, with our, and we will own the trillion dollar market cap, uh, you know, companies. So there's a difference between the Chinese approach of, uh, of uh, creating their own made in China technology versus the Indian approach, which says we'll import American technology and we'll, we'll spread it out into the marketplace. So do you see that uh, uh, you're a pioneer in the supercomputer? Now that is better than if India had said, we'll just buy some supercomputer and apply it. Uh, 
because when you build your own technology you build a whole ecosystem you encourage young brains you bring so many uh, so many things happen because you built your own technology so geo in my opinion and i'd like your comment but in my opinion geo is one of the few companies with enough money they could have built our own platform tca tatas could have built our own platform and then we would be owning all the trillion dollar market cap companies that are now american companies and we are sort of very obliged that they are coming and coming to our country as if they are doing us a favor so what do you think of this uh, this aspect of india versus china in terms of uh, the ability and the desire to create our own technology versus uh, which is in china's case versus in india's case uh, being very happy licensing american technology and feeling that we are very proud well i, I accept your uh, criticism i miss i think uh, we we i remember when uh, when uh, in early times many of us are convinced that we must develop our technology starting from registers capacitors and starting from ground level and that would be more useful for us than anything else and then getting it from korea i think uh, we at that time and also we uh, we attempted such things we opened many factories of that kind but that requires significant investments in r and d for example today our overall r and d investment in terms of gdp is 0.8% whereas china is investing 2% of their gdp on that kind of thing there are other nations which are investing i think we could have uh, it is not a difficult choice we went into the space program we went to atomic energy program right when independence india had uh, no money to feed its population we developed iits at that time we need to pursue uh, push that ahead when and we need to a significant investment in research and development and in our universities i think we require university requires very strong uh, uh, research programs and uh, you really brought to the fore the issue of paninian grammar i think the greatest creation on i think in the, in the in our india's contribution to to not only numbers but also the linguistics and panini is uh, often i think the, the great research even in mit etc paninian grammar has been used to make breakthroughs in artificial intelligence yes. and, and 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 that we we i think we have program but not enough and we need to correct that and the new education policy or next and uh, what you talk about uh, the the uh, new education policy that has come forward that now we are trying to i think consolidate this together and fund our university there is another problem in india which i see is the public investment versus the private investment there are most other kind of in the britain or, or you say in europe or in america i think there is no issue like public or private it is the merit of the whole thing which the investment is uh, really put together and um, and uh, new Uh, research advances are taking place so we need to come out of that also the colonial mentality and um, bring all this together on one platform but this is happening in the uh, the new policy that has been announced we have announced a framework like nrf like nsf uh, funded will be and i hope that this will be transforming uh, our landscape in research and um, and the idea is realized uh, but we need to do too much we need to compete with what china has done yes vijay bhai in this regard Uh, you know when i came to united states uh, for postgraduate studies first in physics and then in computer science one of the things that impressed me a lot is that pr- my professors had government grants military grants defense department grants so i got security clearance to go with my professor to the pentagon and we were involved in futuristic projects on all kind of technology so in america there is a there is a the universities get lot of defense grants and there is this uh, military academic alliance i don't see much of that in india maybe a few small iit kind of grants here and there but i don't see a whole lot of 
collaboration between Indian defense and academics. So the academics are just teaching. They're just teaching and they're not really doing research. And the students are not connected with where the frontiers of research are. Uh, whereas in USA, that is a very big, uh, big thing. Also in the US, there is a military industrial alliance. So all these Boeings and McDonnell Douglas and Rock, uh, you know, or, or even, even uh, IBM, even uh, Google, uh, even uh, uh, Microsoft, they got large defense contracts. So uh, I was in ITT uh, in charge of strategic planning and uh, new technologies. And we, were, we, were, we patented the uh, fiber optics. In fact, one of my colleagues in, IT, uh, in ITT whose office was adjacent to mine, he got the Nobel Prize. He was one of those who shared the Nobel Prize, a Chinese gentleman, Chinese-American. We invented night goggles for the military. We invented uh, speech recognition for the military, for the pilot, the cockpit of the F-16 in those days, they wanted speech recognition. So, so many pioneering technologies came out of defense. Internet, which was called DARPANET, and then DARPANET became ARPANET. And I was involved, I was a user of internet before it was called internet. Uh, you know, uh, so that was a defense department uh, uh, invention. And then this driverless cars, DARPA in, created this whole competition to create driverless vehicles. So you can go through so many examples of American pioneering technologies started by the Defense Department. But in India, why are they separate silos? The government and defense are one silo. The industry is separate silo. They don't do much research. The academic people are separate silo. They're just doing the teaching. Why aren't Indians able to create the industrial, the, the military industrial academic complex? Like China has also done that. China has taken the American model and they have got... Uh, one ecosystem of technology. Why is India not doing that? I think really I appreciate that something that has been uh, uh, my own point of view. That why are we not doing it? But I think we came from that um, that mindset of the, the socialistic economy, and also that somebody supervising you, and that uh, uh, the investments we are about here, very insecure about the private sector. And uh, I think this needs to be corrected. And uh, this comments have been uh, this feedback has been given to the government. And wherever possible, we need to do. But I think we have need to need to come out of this mindset and um, new policy. I think tries to do it some some some, some way. Defense is now more and more collaborating with the industry, trying to collaborate. Uh, though they, they uh, programs in the academic institutions are only with IITs. It has not reached the the private sector as such. And there are some good universities are coming in the private sector. I think we need to really advance this whole mindset first completely and. Uh, take further steps, which is happening, but it must, must happen in a much larger scale than what we are imagining. Very good. We're on the, we're on the same wavelength on so many issues. So, uh, so Dr. Bhattarji, uh, let's talk about population. Uh, India says that this is a youth dividend, but I say that too, many, too much population can be a liability because it's a dividend if you can give them jobs. But if they're unemployed, then it's a liability because while they have hands and brains to do work, they also have stomach to feed. And so such a large part of India's GDP goes towards providing social services, providing you know, food uh, subsidies and uh, providing uh, uh, housing and gas for cooking and education and medical and so on. So if the, I see the bottom 500 million people uh, kind of struggling and India is working very hard to bring them up. But suppose we also started a certain voluntary population control kind of a method to take 50 years, it'll take 50 years to do it gently and reduce the population. 
because with ai you need fewer people you need fewer people and if you are overpopulated it's a population liability not a population dividend so do you think it's time for the people who are looking at the social impact of ai to point this out because my book makes a big issue out of this and looking at the civilizational studies i think today i think as a, uh, if you look at india's greatest thing one of the great strength if you can want to look at is its population i think which is which is we are we the most populous country of the world i think very soon i am not saying that but how do you use that population and we require educated population very highly trained population and now now i am seeing that just in front of my eyes there is a while our study there were very few universities and um, very few iits like institutions in india today we are close to 1000 universities i'm not telling that then we need to raise their standards but this is a big 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 dividend for india uh, i i look at from that perspective and how to make this population technology enabled the computer enabled and we have taken the initiatives i personally have taken the initiative in that direction to make it you know, i think most computer literate nation of the world and that we could do and we could also create this manpower in very short time but i completely agree with you that we need to do larger investment of not only investments in terms of we need to set the cleared milestones like like missions series of missions to be accomplished like ai mission which you are talking about now i think and which we have begin long time back but we need to make big breakthroughs this is another thing which is happening i think you gave the example of there are so many indians in ibm there are so many in the in the us companies everywhere so i think they are they are contributing to it they are also establishing units in india they are getting the work done here i think but but they will go long term back of that i see that in the future as we are promoting the new innovation based startups these engineers will come out and they will start the startups and that process begins late but it will begin and, and, and that will unleash many innovations in india itself uh, taking advantage of our great universities and the manpower so uh, we have to be little patience on that <laughs> but india is building strong foundations on that too including the chip design i think although the hard many people criticize that uh, india is not making the hardware i think uh, but now the, the, the entire chip design whether it is for apple or is for a, anyone ibm or any uh, the designs are done by indians and now we are initiating this process that they will design and they will also get manufactured electronic manufacture done in our chennai plants or in pune plant or in noida so, so that process has begun i i am very hopeful that this will alter the whole landscape in very soon yeah so so dr patkar the reports i've read i've read every report i'm able to get on ai in india ai globally in general but also ai in india there's pwc report there's fiki yeah. report there's mckinsey reports there's uh, niti ayog reports lot of reports now my feeling is that uh, with few exceptions most of these reports are from the point of view of the big corporate sector so the psp pwc report goes and interviews the uh, public relations people customer service people in big companies Uh, some reports go to hr departments uh, of big companies but what about the panchayat what about the district level what about the ngos who are serving uh, people in uh, grassroots nobody has nobody is doing research and reports on impact of ai at their level their point of view how will they suffer what are their needs how do we scale them up and my concern is that uh, uh, if there is a vacuum at the bottom 500 million in terms of dealing with the ai and only the top tier are taken care of there'll be this vacuum will be filled by irresponsible forces 
whether these are Maoists, whether these are Islamists, whether these are Marxists, leftists, whatever, whether these are evangelists, these kind of breaking India forces, because I've written so much about breaking India, I see them coming to this space and filling the gap and providing the voice for the, the, the people who are not being heard. And so when there are AI policies being made, and, and right now, it tends to be top heavy in terms of thinking, and it, it's not got enough representation of people at the bottom of the pyramid. So I feel, and that is what I, why I'm writing, I'm writing this book in order to shake up people and saying, there needs to be a voice. We need to have more social scientists involved. Social scientists don't know AI. I'm surprised the social scientists don't know AI. Uh, Dr. Parker, you'll be surprised. I talked to some of the leading economists who are very well known in India. And, uh, but they are, and I said, well, let's discuss AI. And they said, that is not my field. So I said, if AI is not your field, AI is revolutionizing economics. It's like uh, when the industrial revolution was happening in England, industrial revolution changed the whole world economy. And imagine an economist at that time saying, you know, I'm not interested in industrial revolution. I'm an economist. And people have written to me with great pride saying, this is a nice book for some technical people, but I'm an economist. I don't have to deal with it. So there is such a disconnect. And these are senior people. And they are, they are not in tune with how the technology is going to disrupt the grassroots, the foundations of society. And we, as leaders of society, have to do something about it. So what do you think of this disconnect on the part of many thought leaders uh, in India? I, I fully agree with you on that point, particularly coming from the humanities perspective or the philosophy perspective or the arts perspective. I think the, the, these disciplines have not embraced uh, artificial intelligence as they should. Artificial intelligence is going to have a deep impact on arts also. Yeah. Humanities, the languages and many tools which will be there, uh, which the humanities people are not aware of today. And I accept that and we need to correct that. And what, what is being done in that process is that uh, we should not define science as a you know, physics, chemistry, mathematics, engineering, technology. They must embrace humanities also in, the, in, the, in their field. They must embrace arts too in that field. And, and that fundamental change we require in terms of liberal education and liberal research that need to be done. And I completely agree with you that our humanity, including political science, including the planners, we are not aware of the, what impact this uh, new technology will create. People are talking about I mean, that there will not be a place, as you said, on this planet. We discuss new dwellings and in outer space. What well, I think the great thinkers, uh, but I think we must be aware as far as the, the what is the, what is going to be the impact of something is very scary. Something is very very promising for creating the future generations. I am very happy, but uh, the comment on the one initiative that we are taken that we will convert into a digital India. Now that is a large mass of people converting into digital India. And taking it to, I think the uh, spreading it across to the our, our villages, but actually using through mobile. Mobile is get a you know, turning point. I think it is in the hands of our uh, rural girls. They can use more better mobile than even some of the great industries. I, in terms of usage is concerned, the new apps that are coming to new languages, what we are that we are able to use in all our 22 languages. Uh, this thing. So this is. Uh, uh, big hope for me, the younger generation, particularly the rural generation, which will come forward and embrace these technologies faster than a society like America. Very good. So, so uh, Dr. Patkar, uh, closing thought, what do you think that, uh, you know, just like there is ISRO, big initiative, very good pioneering space, yeah. and Baba Atomic Research uh, Center for Nuclear Energy, should there be something of big scale 
for artificial intelligence and all the related technologies. Yes. And I'm talking about not some small think tank and a little bit grant here and there, but I'm talking about the scale of Atomic Energy Commission and the scale of ISRO, that much emphasis. No, I completely agree and support. And I've been arguing for this, that that's how we created a center for development of mass computing for supercomputing and then artificial intelligence. One of the first projects that we had taken was artificial intelligence at that time, particularly keeping the Indian language perspective language translations, language perspective, developing digital tools, uh, all, all, all that kind of thing. And uh, CDAC today is a 10 labs put together, about 3,000 engineers. I think we started from me alone, one. Uh, we are now 10 labs across the country, but we need to do much more than that. I think we take a quantum leap and create like, like uh, say BRC or ISO-like structures and you carry out successive missions, which we are doing and, and take this technology forward. Otherwise, this will not happen. And now we have so many people, and really as China has done, we need to take advantage of the Indians in, I think, in America, mostly I think the, in our universities. Today, our the greatest researchers are in the U.S. universities, I think, and then bring back them and collect collaborative mode, for which we require, I think, what is called transformation or governance of our research, I think, to take the much wider and much open view and much long-term view. And this will happen. This, in the, today, the way it's happening, it will happen. So, Vijay Bhai, it's always a great honor and a delight to talk to you. We could go on talking for hours and we will, I, I would, I will need your help in uh, taking the message of this book forward uh, because uh, this book is also provoking people. It's, it's saying that, hey, we cannot just say everything is fine. We have some challenges. Uh, we have China knocking at the door. China is going to arm Pakistan. They have all this air technology. They are ahead of us. So, you know, rather than saying, okay, we are, are we China or America, those two choices, we should have our own. So we need to create big thinkers like you. To We need to empower big thinkers, big institutions, a lot of funding to move this forward. So that is my goal uh, with which I've written this, uh, written this book. And I'm so blessed that uh, you are supporting uh, uh, and I want to thank you. I'm, for I'm sure uh, this uh, this book will raise many questions, particularly to our social scientists, or thinkers, or economists, and political scientists. We need to consider, look at uh, the future from that perspective. We should understand the great impact the AI will have in all all sectors. And you are covering. You have taken five battlegrounds to to look at them in a holistic, in a, in a complete perspective, uh, which has not been done before. I'm sure this book will inspire particularly the policymakers and people like me to take up larger issues. And I'm sure, uh, I think we must need to create tomorrow's, I think, frontier research organizations, which will advance the technology for human benefit. But like uh, we are talking about, uh, no, no, not only for humanity to advance, I'm not talking one nation to advance, humanity to advance and share whatever the fruits are, because India alone uh, is in, in Philosophically, historically, from heritage perspective, uh, we like to see the Sarvo Sarve Bhavantu Sukhina. In that kind of thing, we like to take it forward. Thank you very much, uh, Vijay Bhai. This is such a such a delight. And uh, Namaste to you and uh, my, my to my followers or to all the viewers. Uh, this has been a, a, a great pleasure, a great honor for me. And uh, Dr. Bhatkarji is a treasure, a real treasure, uh, a very iconic figure, very humble person. And his help is so important to me. I cannot be thankful enough to you, Dr. Patkaji. Namaste. Grateful to you for calling. Yes.